Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. And welcome to Back to the Future, the podcast, the only podcast looking back in time at the greatest film trilogy of all time, Back to the Future. I am Brad Gilmore, and I'm joined by my friend in time all the way from PA. We just exchanged some great Scott Steiner stories. Say that five times fast. Normie Norm, Norman Benford. Norm, how you doing? I am doing great, Brad, and I am not going to say Scott Steiner stories five times fast because I'm afraid he will appear in my house, and nobody wants that. <laughs> He's like Beetlejuice, uh, is Scott Steiner. Um, so anyway, guys, we have a great show for you today. We're going to be continuing our look down the comic book realm for Back to the Future. Um, but Norm, I do want to say a couple of things, I guess, that are Back to the Future related. I didn't know this until recently. Um, I saw Donald J. Trump on Jimmy Kimmel. I didn't see the interview, I guess, when it aired originally, but I saw it um, the other day, and Jimmy Kimmel revealed a piece of information I did not know, and I want to know if you have heard this as well. He said that the uh, the character of Biff in part two, I guess the Biffarific Biff, um, was based, this Bob Gale said that Biffarific Biff was based on Donald J. Trump. Were you aware of this? I have heard that, yes. That that kind of made the rounds on social media. Uh, I want to say either towards the end of last year or the beginning of this year. I mean, obviously, the, the big tip-off is the hair, but I had read that, that Gale dropped that in an interview, and whether or not that was actually the truth or it was just kind of a, you know, a, j- a jab from the past, uh, I, I can totally buy it because there's there's definitely some parallels there. <laughs> yeah, there are some parallels, and a lot of uh, listeners in America right now and across the world are thinking: Could uh, Bob Gale uh, have predicted? The future yet again. Uh, well, I guess we'll see in November. But um, 
Also, I wanted to say a happy uh, belated Mother's Day to all the mothers who might be listening to this show, or uh, if you are a son and you are a daughter and you did not wish your mother a happy Mother's Day, uh, shame on you. Just shame on you. Uh, Cassine Gaines actually put out a great, uh, at Cassine Gaines on Twitter, the author of We Don't Need Roads, making the Back to the Future trilogy, he put out a great graphic on Twitter uh, of all the iterations of Lorraine Baines McFly over the years and said happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. I thought that was, thought that was apropos. Uh, did you enjoy your Mother's Day, uh, Normie Norm? I did, yes. Uh, I made the trip to Johnstown, had uh, a nice day with uh, the family, had a nice steak dinner, and then got back on the road and headed home. And, uh, you know, if, since we're commemorating Mother's Day, I just have one thing I'd like to pass on to you, Brad. Yes, Say hi to your mom for me. <laughs> oh, there you go. Even even better than Cassine's uh, tweet. I like it. Um, so uh, I do want to say, though, speaking of Cassine Gaines, I have been in contact with him. We've been exchanging emails. A couple of announcements here at the top of the show. We've been exchanging emails, and it looks like it's going to be confirmed. Uh, Cassine Gaines will be coming back on Back to the Future, the podcast, to talk about Old Man Biff. And uh, if you remember season two, uh, uh, between you, I, and uh, Davey Boy Mitch, we had quite the, uh, the uh, disagreement on uh, Old Man Biff's cut scene from Back to the Future Part 2 where he it vanishes. He vanishes into, uh, into existence. He uh, no longer exists. Erased from existence. And uh, we all, I think you and I had a similar point of view, but I, I could see why some people thought it was a good cut. We thought it was a bad cut. But Cassine and you actually had a short conversation, right, about this at a, at a uh, Comic-Con, correct? Yes, yeah. We spoke last year at RetroCon in Pennsylvania, outside of Reading, I want to say. Norm, do you want to know something? Is I have no idea what you look like. Well, let, let me assure you that I'm an exceptionally handsome man. I mean, you sound like it, but I, I have no clue what you you have a real social media anonymity to you. H- have you ever put a picture of yourself up on social media? Oh yeah, there's tons of pictures of me on social. How come media. I haven't seen you? Is that you in your Twitter picture? Yes, that actually is me. Okay, well now I know what Norm looks like. <laughs> I, I've known you for what a year, and yes. I had no idea what you looked like until you got on Twitter. Although, to be fair, in that Twitter profile picture, I'm intentionally making a crazy face because of the red, white, and blue Niagara Falls headband that I'm wearing. Well, it's a fantastic headband. Oh, thank you. I thought so as well. No, I I normally have a much more just normal, everyday, non-psychopathic look. You have a more normal look? (laughs) Ha ha, you see what I did there? Hey, well, now I know what Norm looks like. I'm excited, but I'm excited one more thing because... We talked a couple of weeks ago about a podcast that's out there called Back to the Future Minute, and uh, where they break down the Back to the Future trilogy one minute at a time. They are currently in their second season, uh, breaking down Back to the Future Part 2. And Norm, I don't know if I've even privyed you to this information, um, but I did throw it out there on our podcast that I'd like to have a crossover episode. And I heard from the great guys over at Back to the Future Minute that we are going to make this a reality. There's going to be a Back to the Future podcast and Back to the Future Minute crossover in the near future. How do you feel, Norm? Uh, This is news to me. I normally don't get involved with talent relations, but I am thrilled. Anytime we can talk Back to the Future with uh, passionate fans, I'm on board. 
Exactly. Exactly. And I'm excited. I'm excited to uh, to hear uh, what what uh, what minute we get. You know, that's going to be the big thing. What minute are we getting? That's what I'm waiting for. Oh, I'll, I'll cross my fingers for old Biff. Old Biff? Oh, if only. Okay, let's do it. Let's do a it. Man can, a man can dream. Let's do it. I'm I'm excited. I'm excited. If only the stars will align, and the the planets from the Grimlap system all come together, we can get this on. That was an ultimate warrior reference from a promo from the 1980s, way over everyone's head. But why don't we get into the matter at hand today? We're talking about Back to the Future, the comic book series, and uh, we recapped the very first comic last week on the show. Uh, there were two different stories to that comic. Um, I'm looking at the outline at, for today's show, and I read the comic book uh, last week for today's show, and uh, there's a lot to cover. Yes, there is. Uh, we have uh, two stories in this issue again. Uh, both stories uh, creatively supervised by Bob Gale, working with a different writer and a different artist. And we'll just kind of roll into issue two here. And the first story is called The Doc Who Never Was. And it's written by the team of Bob Gale and John Barber with art by Marcelo Ferreira. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that correctly. But again, no promises. Uh, As will become common as the series rolls forward, the kind of staging sequence where Doc begins telling the story involves his his children. He always kind of has a story for young Jules and Vern that uh, takes them and us, the readers, on a tale through time, as it were. And this first story, The Doc Who Never Was, it takes place in 1962, and this is, by Doc's recollection, about seven years after Marty's first departure from 1955 back to the future in 1985. And so we have Doc in his house, his house, which, by the way, is still not burned down, and he is working on early prototypes of time machinery, but he's not getting very far, and he's just about out of money, and he's very frustrated by that. Uh, so as he's sitting there watching a bunch of TVs, a la The Wall from Back to the Future Part Two, he is visited by one of the characters from the first issue who recruited him to the Manhattan Project and a new military official. Well, what 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 a uh, a lot going on here, Norm. So um, now let me ask you this: uh, as someone who's a little bit more well versed in in this uh, comic book series, um, is this a complete departure from the first from the first uh, uh, comic book? Is this a whole new story? Uh, you know, does it follow? Is there any traces of continuity besides anything that the movies established? It's kind of hard to say, to tell you the truth. I mean, there's that one character that intertwines between the two. So presumably, this takes place in the the same version of the universe where Doc was recruited to the Manhattan Project in part two of issue one. So I guess there is that that's a, a fairly strong continuity tie there. But you know, they can they can always and easily flip that on its head. Uh, in these kind of elsewhere scenarios. But I would say, yes, this ties to issue one, ostensibly. 
And There's your word of the day. Ost- oh, ostensibly spell it, and what is its language of origin? Um, but uh, about about this uh, about this comic is is this actually um, was was the one I read? And uh, uh, here's the thing: is I think longtime listeners of this show know I'm a big Doc Brown guy. Like Doc Brown is my guy. Like that's my favorite character, Christopher Lloyd, for a long time, and probably still to this day, are. Um, he is my favorite actor and one of my favorite characters in any film ever. Um, no surprise to people, I guess, on that one. So th- th- I love when we get more Doc. I hate to say it, but I'm reading these comics for more Doc than I am Marty. Where are you kind of sitting with it? Uh, well, I- I'm happy because in-, in most of these instances so far, Doc is – the narrator of the tale, uh, the the point of view character. So yeah, I'm I'm enjoying Doc as you know, arguably the main character in a lot of these stories. And the McFly family are, in some instances, very tertiary to the plot. I'm I'm happy with it. I'm happy with the voice they've given Doc in these books so far. I mean, I have some issues with some of the books, but honestly. Very few of them have to do with how Doc has been portrayed. Uh, yeah, so what 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 do you mean by that, though? Um, now I, I I like Doc as as the point of view character, as kind of the guy who, in his travels through time, he knows what has happened when, and through the, I guess, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Through the, the, the conceit of telling these stories to his young sons, he then is telling these stories to us, the readers. So there's that kind of narrator doc, and then there's the character doc within the individual stories, and I, 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 I'm enjoying it. Okay, I see what you're saying more, and I'm enjoying it too because to me – Doc Brown in the movies is similar to a character Christopher Lloyd pay, played in The Page Master. He's kind of the keeper of everything within the, the, the space-time continuum in my mind. He is like the literal personification of Father Time. So I like when we get to see uh, – hear, I, I should say, and see the stories from kind of his telling and his point of view. Uh, what do you think are some of the uh, big differences between this issue and the last one with the presentation i know there are uh different different uh, artists come in and different writers come in so what did you think about this one um i i enjoyed this first story uh, i'm a i'm a big 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 fan of dan shoning the artist i think the art in this story holds up well but it's 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 not dan and i think dan has set the high bar so far at least for me personally about the art and it is kind of interesting with all the different pencilers who are on this books. We all know who the characters are, but some of them, do, you know, execute those characters with varying degrees of success. And I, I did really, really enjoy this first story. Uh, the second story, as I'm looking ahead, eh, the second story was not so much uh, a favorite of mine, but. All in all, I, I, I'm not complaining because we're getting new Back to the Future content uh, of varying degrees of quality, but overall I'm still putting it on the good end of the bell curve. I, I'm, I'm happy to be getting and reading these books, I guess, is my answer. Uh, and I'm with you. I mean, 
I still, I know we talked about it last week. I'm still having an issue with the with the short form storytelling. I just, I haven't fully been able to just dive into it and accept it for what it is because you know we live in a in a society in a storytelling a society and culture in the United States and you know abroad of of uh, you know the binge worthiness right and uh, they leave you on the cliffhanger and that was something that Back to the Future did really well as well is they left you on that cliffhanger uh, going into the next uh, movie. You know what I mean? So uh, with these, it's kind of a whole different way of telling a story. Um, And it's kind of – I guess I've just been programmed over the last decade or more to uh, wait for the next episode, you know, the next edition to pick up from the story right where they left off like they did in the original trilogy. And I'm still getting into it. But what did you think overall? What what was like a key point that you want to point out from the first story and what was your overall uh, rating of it? Uh, well, from the first story, there's there's a couple panels in this story that are really, really shocking. Uh, at, at one point, Doc is mulling over whether or not he wants to sell his time travel technology to the military to get the funding he needs. And he's he's laying in bed, and his house is crashed into by a Marty McFly that speaks Russian, which is, is interesting in and of itself. But then Doc and Marty hop in the DeLorean and head to the future, where, of course, Hill Valley is the, is the center of all time-related crises. And there's just these warring factions from throughout history. There's uh, World War II-era soldiers. There's Roman gladiators. There's, and they're all fighting. And Doc realizes that it's because he let the military have access to his, uh, his time travel technology. And the... The two interesting panels on this particular page I'm looking at, the first one, it shows Doc looking up into the sky, and it shows the atomic bombs from World War II, Fat Man and Little Boy, uh, both dropping onto Hill Valley at the same time. So that, that that's going to be a big one. That's yeah. going to be a big one. That might be a sn- then, slightly. Yeah. And then right after that, he turns back into the DeLorean, and weird Russian Marty has disappeared, leaving behind only his pants and his vest. And I'll be honest, it's it's a pretty jarring image. You know, this is this is a, a beloved character that has been reduced to pants and a vest. He just vanished from the time stream. Uh, I, I I'm sorry. I remember. When I when I first read this, uh, you know, thinking, uh, <laughs> what a crazy departure from the original spirit of the film. And I it's guess dark. it's really dark, man. It's darker than part two. It's darker, darker than the Temple of Doom. I did not I, when I was looking at it and, and looking at these panels and reading the story, I was like, these guys and I hate to say this, and I love Bob Gale t- to the utmost and respect him with everything that I have, but I thought this was awful. I just thought it was awful. It was such a departure from the lightheartedness that I loved about the series, especially the first and third movies. And to me, when you go into the and here's the thing about Bob Zemeckis is Bob Zemeckis said when we go to the future, we didn't want it to be like this Orwellian dystopic, um, you know, nuclear, you know, uh, you know what I'm saying, Uh, nuclear. You know what I'm trying to say. I can't get the word out. You know, it's late. Give me, give me some uh, room here. It's late. But he said, you know, we didn't want post-apocalyptic. Post-apocalyptic. Thank you. 
norm. Uh, you know, he, he didn't want it to be a post-apocalyptic, you know, dystopian, Orwellian-type future. He wanted it to be lighthearted, like literally just a progression of our society and with some technological advancements. But we're still living in the same world. And I think this was just a, such a, a massive departure from that. I, on the other hand, really, really liked this story. Uh, it, it was a departure, but not in a way where I felt ripped off by it or put off by it. I mean, it really kind of makes the implications of time travel very apparent. I mean, it like I, I keep using the word dark, but that's what it is. Uh, well, how the story ends up ending is Doc realizes he cannot, and, you know, spoilers, I didn't drop a spoiler tag at the beginning, but it's kind of assumed. He realizes that he cannot uh, sell this time travel technology to the military. So he goes back and he writes himself a note and sends it one day to the past using his prototype time machine. And as soon as he does that, he disappears from the timeline. So again, not a lighthearted kind of story. So Doc uh, in the past receives the letter and what does he do? Surprise, surprise, he burns his house down. His... (laughs) His now well-insured house. So he now has the funding to continue his time travel story without the the interference or the implications of working with the military. Yeah, well, I mean, really, I mean, either way you want to look at it, I just feel like it was just a a, a major departure from the original spirit of the trilogy, and, and that's kind of where it lost me. I'm not disagreeing. It was definitely a departure, but it was a departure that I thought added some some real depth and some real gravity to, you know, whatever we want to call this, this expanding back to the future universe. I I gave this a four out of five Uh, gun to your head, Brad. What is your number rating gun to my head? um, I got to say a a two, a two and a half out of five. Eh, Okay, well, that's. That's better than I thought you. I, I was waiting to hear a one because no, you were I mean, pretty passionate. I mean, I am passionate about it. I, I still think that it, it wasn't the right way to go. This is not where I wanted to see um, the 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 comic book series go. But I, I still I think that there. I mean, there was some still. It was interesting storytelling. Uh, just because I didn't like it doesn't mean it wasn't interesting. Um, you know, I didn't really like Batman vs Superman, but it was interesting. You know, uh, from a certain aspect. So uh, I, I I'll give it a two and a half out of five. You know, it's 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 it's, it's a fifty. And we, we can all bow our heads in a moment of silence for weird Russian Marty who turned into a vest and pants. Rest in, rest in power, comrade. Although you have to admit, that was, that was a very, very jarring image. Like, the, you know, this is issue two of the book, and then all of a sudden it's like, I, I didn't see that coming. I, I'm not taken aback often, but the first time I read that, I was taken aback. I was like, wow, they went there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. They 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 uh they went there. But uh, what uh what was the next story we got here, Norm? The next story is called Science Project, and much like in the first issue, in the second issue, the first story takes up the majority of the issue, and the second story is more in in the comic book industry. They might call this a backup story. It's just a couple pages, uh, and in this issue. Uh, Marty is at Doc's house, and he's kind of rummaging through Doc's equipment because 
he has a science project that is due tomorrow. And so as he's going through, Doc shows up and Marty is looking at some of Doc's weird inventions. And honestly, this, this is a short story with a lot of sight gags. And Doc is saying he's not going to do Marty's project for him because he needs to learn on his own and things like that. Uh, there's an umbrella that turns into a tie. There's an electric hoe that is uh, a gardening instrument, not a lady of the night. There's an alarm clock with spikes on it, so you avoid the snooze button and things like that. And again, this is maybe like a three or four page story. And at the end of the story, Doc accidentally winds some wire around a metal pipe and drops it on a battery, or yes, on a battery, creating a magnet and thus giving Marty his science project to take to school the next day. He then argues with his dog because he's Doc, and that's the kind of thing he does. That he said, No, I didn't do Marty's project for him. Really, the only big takeaway at this point is Doc gets a phone call. Uh, he had responded to a classified ad. Somebody was selling a used DeLorean for $4,800. <laughs> and the things that needed to be fixed on that DeLorean were the suspensions, the shocks, the brakes, the brake pads, the steering, the transmission, and the muffler. <laughs> <laughs> so everything, right? <clears throat> new, new tires, excuse me. New it tires. does have new tires. And interestingly enough, the name of the contact to purchase the DeLorean, Robert. Ah, which is also a long-form version of the name Bob. Look at that. that is, Easter that eggs. Is. Now, here is the, here, here's something we can debate on. What would you put your money on? Is this Bob Gale or is this, uh, is this Robert Gale or Robert Zemeckis? Uh, or is it both? Say, is it both? Is there a representation of both? I would say it depends on what kind of mood Bob Gale is in when you ask him. Because <laughs> he could be like, no, that was just a shout out to my partner. Or he could be like, oh, yeah, it's totally me. Or that might have even been uh, Eric Burnham that did it, not Bob Gale. And he's like, no, this is just out of respect for Bob. It could be, it could be either or. That's true. That's true. Well, uh, I here's the thing: is as much as I disliked the far, uh, uh, the, the 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 last. Oh man, I can't get my words together. As much as I didn't like the last story, and I felt like it was a far departure uh, from the original trilogy, I do feel that this one has a similar. Um, has, has a similarity with the original trilogy, especially the first film, and it kind of gives uh, uh, that, I don't know, just that that lightness. You know what I mean? It, it is light, and I, I have to say I enjoyed this story significantly less than the first story because it, it just it just kind of felt like filler. It was a not very fun story to just get you to the end where Doc is talking about the DeLorean. I... I didn't dislike it. It was, it was in fact, light and kind of cute, but of, of very little real impact. I gave this a three out of five. Uh, I'll give it a uh, – yeah, well, actually, it's interesting because I'll probably give it a three out of five too. I mean it was light and I liked it. It was a cute little story. Can I say cute? Is that weird to say? It's a cute little yeah, story. Yeah, I know. I, I, it, it's a cute story and, you know uh, – 
the artist, I did not mention his name yet, was Chris Madden. And his art style is definitely different than what we've seen from the first issue. Uh, his doc is, is a kind of odd looking to me. He, he draws him with a very dimpled chin. And I mean, the, the characters are very character. character they look like caricatures. Caricatures? Yes, caricature-ish. Thank you. Yeah, it's fine. Using, it's late. It's late, man. We're we're having issues. I, I'm using my big boy words. <laughs> You're trying. I did. I, I did not. I did not love the art, but I liked it. It's it's definitely a very unique style. I'll give it that. Uh, yeah. I mean, here's the thing. It's like I'm. I'm. You know, the first one, the first issue, the first story, the art really stuck out to me because I didn't like it. And it, I mean, it was almost a little Archie, Archie comicsy. You know what I mean? Um, but the, as it goes on, I think the art's progressively getting better. I mean, I'm not, I'm not really, I'm not a guy who really notices that because I'm not an avid comic reader. So I'm not really looking at uh, who's who's drawing the book and how it's stylized. But I, I have noticed a, a slight improvement over over the uh, few stories, in my opinion. Well, and yeah, and. I'm not going to go, uh, you know, take a deep dive off of Nerd Cliff with you and the Pinheads because I don't believe they want to talk about panel composition. And for for what I will say, as much as some things about this style uh, don't resonate for me, the the panel composition in this story is excellent. It, they, they are looking at things from a bunch of different angles, which is, you always want to see. You don't want to see an artist who just draws like from a, a front-facing sitcom camera, and that's the whole story. This goes back and forth a lot. The pages are laid out well, so I will give that to Chris Madden. I really like uh, his panel and his page composition. Well, see, look, we're getting, we're, getting better. we're getting better every time. We're getting better every time. Um, so overall, wait, is that the last story of, the, of, of issue two? Is that? No, yes. that is. That is. So overall, yes. issue two... Um, where where do you, where do you sit with it? Do you think this was an improvement from the first from the first edition? Mm, I, it's hard to say improvement because I, I like I said I didn't love this backup story. It was it was very light. I liked the first story a lot, just kind of for the the gravity of it. First issue, uh, I really liked the Doc origin story. Uh, the 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 Marty and Doc relationship origin story fell a little flat for me. I would have to say, based on uh, the the strength of my affection for this first story, I would pick issue two as the overall better issue right now. Okay, well, I I I, I tend to agree with you. I think that it's. Uh... It's it's one of those things to where it's like you know a, a TV series. Um, you got to give it the first couple episodes, and then it kind of finds its footing and it starts to progress. And I think there's going to be some interesting stories coming up. And I I feel that this is this is going to be some of my some of my favorite. Uh, coming up in the next uh, in the next one because there's some uh, Lorraine and George which I like. Uh, there's some Biff which I'm excited to get to Biff in the comics, you know, proper. And uh, so not, I'm, not, I'm excited. Not just Biff, old Biff, old Biff. I'm sorry, old Biff, old and, Biff, the old Biff who is near and dear to my heart. 
But here's the thing. Here's the thing, Normie Norm, is the fans are going to have to wait on that one because it looks like next week, Cassine Gaines will be on the show to talk about old Biff. So we'll actually have to pick up our comic book talk right after our Cassine Gaines episode talking about old man Biff. You know, like old man Logan, old man Biff. I try to relate to the comic book heads right now. Um, But here in the future, very, very quickly, we will. I know it, it seems like it's flown by. It seems like it's flown by. This is episode six. We have seven next week. And then um, we're going to start turning our attention here very shortly, Normie Norm, to uh, Back to the Future Part 3, a full retrospective. Are you excited to get to that? Oh, I am. I'm, I'm chomping at the bit, which is a totally appropriate thing to say because, of course, the movie takes place in the Old West to talk Back to the Future Part 3. I'm I'm just I'm just head over heels with this movie. I talked to you about it before we started recording today, and I I think this is the, it's 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 got up to the top. It's the number one for me right now as we're sitting here, and uh, it's gonna be fun to get to the last film in this glorious trilogy. And uh, who knows who knows what will be the future of the podcast? But we know you have more episodes to look forward to in the future here on Back to the Future of the podcast. Norm, you got anything you want to say before we get out of here this week? Yes, let's uh, let's drop some some social tags. Get out there. We would love to get uh, people talking about it on Facebook and Twitter. You can find us on Facebook at Back to the Future Colon the Podcast. You can look me up on Twitter. I'm at Norman B two five eight. Brad, what do you got to say about? Um, uh, yeah, follow me at Brad Gilmore. You can check out uh, a couple of my shows if y'all want to. I know uh, a listener of this show became a convert over to European Doesn't Matter, so shout out to Tony Day Jr. Um, you can check out me five days a week. Check me out five days a week on Your Opinion Doesn't Matter at OpinionPodcast.com. Or uh, once a week, I do a podcast with WWE Hall of Famer and six-time World Heavyweight Champion Booker T called Heated Conversations. It's in iTunes. It's all over the place. Just Put in Booker T in your search bar in your favorite podcast app, and you will find it. And, of course, at Brad Gilmore on all social media. But that's all our plugs we got to get out of the way today. We will be back next week with Cassine Gain. So stay tuned. Be safe. It's going to be a good one, folks. <laughs> yes. You are Norman Benford. I'm Brad Gilmore. We're your friends in time, and we will see you in the future. Brad Gilmore Show On Demand is meant for entertainment purposes only and does not mean to infringe on any copyrights of Back to the Future, its characters, its audio clips, or its music. Hope to see you again in the future. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com listen. Shopify.com listen. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? 
Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 